I'm here with you on a Thursday evening. It's going to be the last show of the week. Tomorrow night, I have a, a family family engagement for my nephew. And I would just like to soak this night up with you all. It's going to be bittersweet. I'll tell you just from the beginning, from the get-go, it's going to be bittersweet. Uh, we're going to do all the sweet stuff first. It'll be sweet, bitter. And and I'm going to bring on tonight a, uh, a guest. Really exciting. I've been waiting to speak with her for a long time now. Her name is Monica Kelsey. And she's got an incredible story. Really credible, incredible story. And what she does today, what she's dedicated her life to, is something pretty inspiring and I think we need a little bit of that from time to time especially after shows like last night where we did a little bit of commentary on the election results and the kinds of ridiculous anti-human things that people are telling us drive elections it's good to be reminded of all of the great endeavors that people are on right now and that uh, and really really deserve a lot of our attention and our participation. Monica tonight is going to be a great example of that, just as Marley Hornick is a fantastic example when we spoke to her earlier in the week. And again, the variety of uh, the programming continues. I'm just uh, looking into it. Now, as far as what safe haven baby boxes are, well, a lot of it is pretty self-explanatory. It's gonna blow your mind. But it's also going to be, uh, I think, um, very interesting. And I can't wait to hear from some people in the uh, the afterwards. And I always get wonderful emails at the shows like this. So that is what I am predicting. All right. That's what we have. That's what we have on this November 9th, 2023. Welcome to the show, my friends. And it's just you and I taking a stroll in the woods as usual. We can go into the grab bag. I would first like to call your attention to quitefrankly.tv because I have a wonderful announcement to make to you all tonight. We're going to the affiliates page. Hold on. Screen capture, affiliates page. At the top is our wonderful friends, Blue Monster Prep. Well, guess what's underneath them? There, there's Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. And right next to Wise Wolf Gold and Silver, there is a newcomer. That is the official, quite frankly, coffee blend. That's right. We have an official coffee blend after months of taste testing, after uh, shaking hands with some really great coffee companies out there, we have settled upon a blend with the Coffee Revolution. It's a small uh, brick and mortar uh, store. I actually think has two locations in Davenport, Iowa. And they helped us create the quite frankly elevation blend there it is right there there you go you want to know what's inside of it well it's a, it's an organic creamy balanced light roast you want to know where it comes from because there's a little bit of a taste of the world around there a little bit of ethiopian mexican peruvian estate coffees get lifted and be well now the best thing about this is 
um, you, you're going to be able to, you have a, an option to get a free sample bag of chocolate covered espresso beans with every purchase. There's also a frankly promo code there so that you get all of your, uh, I, I believe that it's the, it has something to do with, um, the shipping, but go and check it out. Quite frankly, TV affiliates right there. The official quite frankly, coffee blend. We'll be making commercials and we'll have a banner up and all that stuff. And, uh, it, you really got to taste it. We have a, we had a great time and, and it'll change from time to time. We want to just keep this kind of flowy, you know, right now it's a light blend. It's a light roast, but we might do, you know, light medium at some point. We'll go seasonal with it. We'll change the package. We're just gonna have fun with this. We also found a really great company to work with that we are actually working with um through the coffee revolution of creating these things but these wonderfully crafted spun um mugs so that's going to be part of that little coffee store dedicated to quite frankly that coffee page soon where we're going to have an official coffee mug that we can just embrace for the long haul it's going to be wonderful quality wonderful quality and that's what i'm looking for right now I want people to say, you know what? This is incredible quality stuff. And wait until you see what we do with our revamped merchandise section, which is going to be uh, brought to life by Rise Attire. That should all be done over the course of the next week as well. So get over there and start uh, start start tasting the coffee. Let me know what you think about it. And, and away we go. So that's my big announcement at the front end of the show. That's my big announcement at the front end of the show. Okay, so, uh, so yeah, let's jump into the grab bag, shall we? First one up. Now, I did not watch any of this, this debate, so-called debate, the kiddie pool debate again, but there was a couple of things that came out of it that were pretty newsworthy as far as TV worthy, good, good television. They pretty much all came, uh, by way of Vivek Ramaswamy, Swami who I call the dark pony candidate because he's the only one up there that is, uh, that's saying things. He's, when he says things, he goes on rolls that you can say, well, there's no word of a lie there. But of course, there's no, this is, this is all a show. You know, there's really, there's what's going on on television right there. Um, and then there is Donald Trump, which is, it's, he's like at the top of the mountain and this is all whatever the hell it is. So, um, a lot of people are just trying to establish their brand, I guess, of course. And uh, Vivek is, from what I've seen, I think the only one not willing to take major swipes at Donald Trump to, th- to, to kind of feel like they, they're fighters as well. But uh, last night, I really liked how he went after the, the GOP, the actual Republican Party, the RNC, and also the media. And then he went after Nikki Haley, which made, just made me feel good inside. So I, I don't care who the hell said it, but take a look and listen to this clip. This is right after he said that Ronald McDaniel, the McDaniel should uh, should resign as party chair because, as you know, the Republican Party um, sabotages itself every um, every couple of years, especially with Donald Trump still a viable candidate. They continue to sabotage themselves just to be able to uh, say that the the Trump years are behind them. That's what they're doing. And I like that he's uh, he's jumping on that a little bit. Take a listen to this. And frankly, look, the people there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. 
Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Christian Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Christian, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. Sorry. This is how we get our country. Looks like a happy hen sitting on an egg, no? because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop story. And they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Accountability. Let me turn to See, you know, now, now I've seen the analysis on this guy because, you know, I've seen the analysis on it. People digging into his past and, you know, where he gets some of his ideas from. How far left does he go? Has he gone? Is this all just for show? And, uh, you know, duplicitousness, they're doing that for everybody out there. So I trust him just as much as I trust anybody else, but ain't no word of a lie there. So I, I'll, I'll always, uh, always have a good chuckle. And now is when uh, Nikki Haley, <laughs> Nikki Haley felt a little bit of it. Take a listen to this. Between you and the candidates we just heard on this issue, on, on what you would tell the prime minister. Oh, uh, by the way, you- by the way, uh, Lester Holt, what the hell is he doing? What is he thinking maintaining this hairline? What's he thinking? No one has been able to pull this off since Benjamin Franklin. What is he doing? Stop it. Just shave that back a little bit. Go go horseshoe at least. Horseshoe looks better than this. Ridiculous. You and the candidates we just heard on this issue, on, on what you would tell the prime minister? Not in terms of what I would tell the prime minister, no. In fact, I would go one step further. The founding vision of Israel was based on the idea that they don't want to depend on anybody else's sympathy or direction in defending themselves. So what I would tell Bibi is that Israel has the right and the responsibility to defend itself. I would tell him to smoke those terrorists on his southern border, and then I'll tell him as president of the United States, I'll be smoking the terrorists on our southern border. That's his responsibility, this is our responsibility. That's how we move forward. But I want to be careful to avoid making the mistakes from the neocon establishment of the past. Corrupt politicians in both parties spent trillions, killed millions, made billions for themselves in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, fighting wars that sent Thousands of our sons and daughters, people my age, to die in wars that did not advance anyone's interests, adding $7 trillion to our national debt. And Joe Biden sold off our foreign policy. Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, got a $5 million bribe from Ukraine. That's why we're sending $200 billion back to that same country. The fact of the matter is the Republican Party is not that much better. You have the likes of Nikki Haley, who stepped down from her time at the UN. Bankrupt or in debt is, was her family. Then she becomes a military contractor. She joins the board of Boeing and otherwise, and is now a multimillionaire. So I think that that's wrong when Republicans do it or Democrats do it. That's the choice we face. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first, or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? <laughs> now, of course, it's funny because neither of them have a chance at winning the election or winning the nomination. So I, I just like that uh, Nikki, Nikki Haley, uh, Snow Miser Chin, got a, got a little bit of that because I can't stand her. Mm-hmm. I can't.
<laughs> so that was that was fun. That was fun with Lester Holt and his Benjamin Benjamin Franklin hairline. I, I did, that's what happened last night. Did you watch? I didn't watch a minute. I didn't watch a minute. In fact, I had to go look for what the hell happened, these clips, after I saw Nikki Haley tweet randomly last night around 9.30 p.m. I don't know. It was whenever it all ended. Suddenly, there's this weird, incoherent tweet about her heels, uh, her heels being ammunition. And nobody understood what the hell she was talking about. So I said, what what is she responding to? And then I went and I found these clips, and then I said, all right, but what does that mean? <laughs> so she's a, she's such a laugh riot. What a laugh. And then meanwhile, uh, Donald Trump was having a, uh, a rally of his own. Actually, there was a rally going on at the, um, the kiddie pool debate prior to the debate. Somebody started a Trump chant, and everybody was like, please, please stop. Be respectful. Be respectful. In a majority immigrant city of Haile, is that how you say that? Trump promises historic deportation operation. Yeah, and? Speaking in a city where three-fourths of the residents are foreign-born, former President Donald Trump, on this is from Yahoo, so they don't like it. Former President Donald Trump on Wednesday night promised uh, to deport a massive amount of immigrants on the first day in office should he be reelected. No, no, that's not the case. That's not the case. So again, I say, yeah, and, and will it actually happen? That'd be great. That'd be amazing if it did. Uh, because, and you know, everybody was wondering, how is it that in these, in these uh, immigrant um these immigrant strongholds that he's showing up that he's wildly popular in, especially with, with Cuban men and everything else. Why, why is it that, uh, why is it that they would still be supportive of Donald Trump or anybody who talks about massive deportation? Well, it, uh, it, it makes perfect sense to me why immigrants would actually want unaccountable freeloaders out of the country because they're not immigrants if for no other reason than to put an end to these false equivalencies of what an immigrant is someone who moved from one place to another place wanted to be a part of that experiment wanted to be a part of it went through all the proper channels and did it instead of just hiring a uh, a gang to smuggle you in in an oil drum and then just uh, that's it, getting lost in the country and, uh, and, and, and feeding off of whatever local programs that people who are hell-bent on turning you into a political asset have made available to you. That's it. An illegal alien is not an immigrant. They are, however, a political asset to domestic enemies. All right? To domestic enemies. That's, that's what they are, assets. So that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of sense to me. It's not going to make a lot of sense to the people out there who are, um, who think the way that Yahoo writes. That's it. And then there's another weird little something over here that we'll save for another time. There is a four. Did you hear this? Actually, I, I won't go too deep into it because I want to just get started with our guest tonight. Uh, four current and former members of a single sheriff's department die of apparent suicides in a two-day span. 
This is in Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. And they say, well, then and nothing is uh, is related. Nothing's related, but uh, it, it's crazy. It's stunning. It's stunning, but nothing's related. We're going to have to look at this in a little bit or next week when we come back. There's a lot we have to do next week when we come back. i got Timothy Alberino's going to come back on. He's back from Peru. And I want to know about everything he saw. He just released a, a report on his YouTube channel not too long ago. I'll be watching that over the weekend, writing some notes down, some questions, some follow-ups. So we got that going on. I want Sal Greco to come by to give us a little bit of an update of what's going on with Eric Adams, because now even Politico and others are reporting that this guy is like lawyering up, trying to avoid getting arrested. I want to know exactly what for and like, you know, what what's the situation in New York City. So there's that next week. There's a few other things. Razor Fist. Razor Fist is going to be on with uh, George Alexopoulos. I have George Alexopoulos, artist, our artist friend, who is actually partnered up with Razor Fist to put together Ghosts of the Badlands uh, comic book, this graphic novel that they're doing together. I'm going to have them both on next week. I've confirmed it. Confirmed it enough where I feel comfortable talking about it. So next week is going to be great, and hopefully we can, we can touch on a lot of these things that uh, we're not going to be able to really do with any kind of sufficient time tonight. But let's get started, shall we? Because we have a wonderful guest in Monica Kelsey. She's on the other side of the line, and I want to get her on as soon as possible. So don't go anywhere. Take the bus. Listen, Mr. Lee, they could kill one another. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, but we can't be involved with murder. Exactly. <laughs> Mr. Lee, is this you talking or the liquor? Randy. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Fantastic. Welcome, everybody. So last night... Last night we were talking a little bit in the opening about the election and all the dark things that came out of it, especially the nonsense that we keep hearing about abortion and how that's the only thing that's moving the needle in the country right now. And I don't know how much I I agree with that. Uh... I don't know. I don't know. Of course, you have to also uh, think about cheating 
and then the GOP wanting to lose pretty big, that factors in as well. But according to the media, the economy, crime, wide open borders, it's of no consequence, only abortion, not saving children, nothing like that. Uh, it's only that that's of the most consequential thing that anybody in this country apparently thinks about. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But anyway, tonight we are going to be changing that story, and I can't wait for it. It's a breath of fresh air. Uh, we are welcoming, we are welcoming to the show, uh, Monica Kelsey, uh, who has an inc- incredible story to tell, which is still unfolding to this day. She is the founder of Safe Haven Baby Boxes, whose mission it is to prevent illegal abandonment of newborns by raising awareness, offering 24-hour hotline for mothers in crisis, and offering the Safe Haven Baby Boxes as a last resort option for women who want to maintain complete anonymity. And it's, I'm so excited to have her on tonight. Monica, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Oh, you sound fantastic. Thank God. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so, I'm always so happy. I'm holding my breath until the first words are exchanged to see how good the sound quality is going to be. And you sound strong. Awesome. Well, I'm sitting in a Starbucks. I don't even know what city I'm in right now, but we just pulled over so that I could do this. And uh, I'm glad that, that we've got good audio. You, say you sound great. So are you, tell me a little bit about you being on that. You see, you don't know what city you're in. Are you on the road? Are you, it's a, is it official business? Yeah, so we we blessed two baby boxes today. We blessed one yesterday and one the day before. So uh, I'm in between my last blessing, which was in uh, Falmouth, Kentucky, and I'm heading to Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I'm somewhere in between there, and my husband's in the car with our dog sitting beside me right now. Uh, they're just staring at me. It's quite weird. Well, I, I, I can't wait to I can't wait to get into all this stuff because it's really exciting, and you definitely are a person on a mission, and it's 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 such a noble cause too. So, but your your story, your backstory is really incredible. You were conceived as a result of a sexual assault. That's what I saw in your bio, and your biological mother, I I read. Uh, thought twice about aborting you at what was literally the last minute, and instead you were born and you were surrendered at a local hospital. I, I, I tell fill in whatever about that story I may have missed, but also let me know what happened. How long did it take until you fully understood your own story? Oh gosh. So well, let me let me just kind of give you just a little bit of backstory. So um, you know, my my birth mom was 17 years old. She was brutally attacked and raped and left along the side of the road. And and this, of course, was in 1972 when abortion was illegal in our country, even in the cases of rape and incest. And um, she pressed charges against the man who had raped her. He was arrested and he was charged. And and if that wasn't the worst of it, she she finds out she's pregnant. And so. Um, she actually went to a back alley abortion facility in October of 1972. And um, while standing in front of the man that was going to, you know, snuff her child's life out of, out of her, she, she changed her mind uh, at the last minute and she walked out of there and never looked back. Um, She was hidden for the remainder of the pregnancy and then gave birth in April of 1973 uh, and abandoned her child at, at a hospital in Ohio. And so that child was me. So I, I stand on the front lines of a movement that I never thought that I, would, I, I was ever even involved with. But here I am, um, you know, as one of these kids that I'm trying to protect every day. 
Mm. And so I, you know, I started Safe Haven Baby Boxes based on that and also being a retired, I'm now a retired firefighter and medic, but I was a, a firefighter and medic when I founded this organization. And and so it's it's a labor of love for sure. But I got to meet my biological mother, though, when I was 37 years old. And, and that truly became the turning point in my life uh, because I had no idea that um, I didn't I didn't know her story. Uh, all I was told growing up was that my birth parents were young and love and couldn't care for me. So they placed me for adoption. And, and that's what my parents, my adoptive parents were told to protect me. Wow. And so learning this at 37 years old, you can imagine the shock. And I, I had to find my worth though, because learning this, it was almost like I was this unwanted child whisked into this world by violence. Um, and if there was a poster child of an unwanted kid, my, my picture would have been on it. And so I had to get past that. I had to get past the fact that I was an unwanted child by them. And, and so I had to go back to my faith. And truly, my faith is where I found my worth, which I, I, I think if anybody is grounded in their faith, they will always find their worth there. And so it took me a little while um, for me to accept it, uh, for me to believe it, and then for me to do something about it. Yeah. It's it's so incredible. I um, mean, and then because even just that timeline alone, uh, I turned 39 in April, so I'm 38 right now. I'm trying to imagine that just last April, I learn the, the my my Genesis story. My like, like that is a an incredible thing to have to uh, incredible gaps to plug in, and I was one I was. You know, I was wondering how it came to came to your your knowledge. If you ever met your your birth mother, if all this was on all this was on record uh, to be, yeah, but that's really something else. So, are you still in contact with your birth mother at all? And is there any? Uh, did you even bother to ask whatever happened uh, of your your biological father? Yeah, you know, I got uh, when I when I was thirty seven, I got to meet her, and we spent about three years. Um, really getting to know each other. And she would call me girlfriend. I was her girlfriend. She was my girlfriend. And that's kind of how we dealt with mm. the the mother-daughter thing because I, I couldn't call her mom. My mom raised me. My mom adopted me. That was my mom. And so, and she understood that. She totally understood it. And so we called each other girlfriend. And um, through almost three years to the day uh, that I met her, um, I was on the ambulance and I got a call that, uh, 57 years old and she had contracted a urinary tract infection that went septic and, uh, she was on a ventilator. And so I left my job and drove to Michigan and, uh, she passed away seven days later, uh, with her hand in my hand. Oh. And, um, it was amazing for Christ to allow me to be there with her in her weakest moment as she was there for me and mine at an abortion facility in 1972. And so I think Christ used me um, at that time to show me empathy uh, because truly I didn't have it then prior to meeting her the way I have it today. Mm. And, and to say the, that weakest moment, oh, yes, how vulnerable a child is in the womb, and and she advocated for you. She gave you a shot at life, and that was, and here you are today. I mean, I'd say, uh, now I'm, I'm actually a, a small little blip on the timeline of that story, and it is... Um, that that's really something impressive. And uh, and now I want to talk about the work, because this, this creates a very strong backstory for the work that you do. Could you first tell everybody what a baby box 
is because when I first heard it, I thought, oh, well, she's putting together care packages for young men. And, and, and then I said, oh, wait, oh, oh. So tell everybody what a baby box is, how you came to know, because I know it's not something that you and in, you invented. You actually you saw the concept elsewhere. What is it? Let everybody know. Yeah, so I was actually in Cape Town, South Africa, when I seen a baby safe in the side of a wall, which basically does the same thing that that I brought to America. Uh, America didn't have this before. And so I brought the idea back from South Africa and then implemented it uh, by building my own box and, and hiring the people to, to build it as safe as possible, the engineers. And, and so a box is just the extension of the already existing safe haven law. So every state has a safe haven law in America. And it basically says that you can walk into any hospital in America um, hand your newborn infant to a worker, turn around and walk away, no questions asked. And the reason why this law was enacted 22 years ago was because babies were being found in dumpsters and trash cans at a record rate. Hmm. And so they decided to change the law and allow women to, to hand over their infants and walk away without being prosecuted. And so that's worked for the last 22 years. But however, we're still finding babies every three to five days still abandoned in our country. And so when you take the culture change, you have to adjust, you know, with the culture. And so right now, women don't want to talk to you. They don't want to walk in and they don't want to see you face to face. They certainly don't want to answer your questions when they're handing you a newborn. And so what I did is I took that face to face interaction away and allowed a, a mother to place her child in an electronically monitored baby box. And what this box does is it calls 911 on its own. She doesn't have to push any buttons. She doesn't have to do anything. All she has to do is open the outside door, place her child inside, shut the door, and walk away. The box calls 911. There's a heating unit in the inside of the baby box. The average time for babies in our boxes are right at two minutes. Two minutes. Because I, I was going to ask about, I was going to ask, you know, the, the technology that goes into this, you place a baby pretty much into an incubator. That's what it is. Right. Um, it's temperature controlled. Is there cameras? There's it has to be an oxygen supply. How, how are they? How are they? Like, tell us about the technology that goes into these boxes, because it's amazing that there's a two minute response time. But I have to imagine that you have to plan for at least you have to plan for this to be a safe environment for what's the longest amount of time you plan for this to be a, a safe environment for a sustainable environment? The longest time. So our protocol, the longest a baby can ever be in the box if they want to qualify to do the program is five minutes. Okay. They have to have this baby out of a box in five minutes. Now the, the electronics is truly what makes this, um, this, this product state of the art, there's three alarm systems that are not connected to each other. So if the door alarm, when mom opens the door, the first 911 call goes out, uh, when she places the baby in the box, there's a second alarm that goes on. That's not connected to the first one. So if one was to fail for whatever reason, we have a backup. Once she shuts that door, the door actually locks. So it locks this baby inside. So nobody can come behind this mother and steal this infant and traffic this baby or whatever. Um, the baby has to be retrieved from the inside of the firehouse. And then there's also a power off alarm because we all know if we lose power, this box is gonna be no good to no one. And so if that box ever loses power, we connected an alarm unit to it that calls 911 and tells them that the box is without power. And so they have a key, then they can go lock the box. If the box, you know, basically if the fire station loses power and doesn't have a generator, most of them have generators. But we always, as firefighters and medics, you plan for the worst and hope for the best. And so that's what we've done with these boxes. Now, we have started putting um, cameras on the insides of the baby boxes for the infant only. It doesn't capture the parent. It doesn't 
you know, get anything on the parent except her hand as she's putting it in the box. Mm. And we did that because sometimes these firefighters are out on a call. They're out on a run. There's, you know, they, they join fire service to respond to fires. And so if they're all gone and they're out on a run, which has happened before, and a baby is placed in the box, they can pull up their camera, which also sends text messages to their phone, by the way, but they can, they can pull up the live feed on this camera and see if there is a baby in the box to where they have to haul butt back to the fire station, or they cannot go lights and sirens back to the fire station, and, and but they still have to go. But this kind of determines whether they go lights and sirens and risk their own life or they just go normally to the box if there's nothing in it. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's technology that we just started using about a year ago. Um, and it's, it's pretty amazing. It really is. It sounds it. And, and so when, when did you install your, obviously you, you got the inspiration from time in South Africa. Um, that must've been stewing for a little while. And when did you install your first box and what do you have to do because you're talking about safe haven laws. I have to imagine that they vary from state to state. So mm -hmm. when did you install the first box? And, and and in that first time, what was the effort like to be able to get this approved? Who do you have to go to? Tell me about the whole, uh, the first time. Oh, my gosh. How much time do you have? <laughs> See, this, is what, this is exactly why I ask. Well, you, you can imagine and kind of like your reaction when you heard about a baby box, you know, it, that's pretty much what legislators in our state, the state of Indiana was like, what do you mean we're putting babies in boxes? This is ridiculous. You know, I had to get people to wrap their heads around that putting a baby in an electronically monitored box that calls 911 is a heck of a lot better than a baby in a dumpster for six hours yes. praying to be found. Yes. And so once I started to, to put that out there, people started to wrap their heads around it. And I, I went to a builder in Fort Wayne, Indiana first, and I said, I want you to build me a baby box. And I had this Delta napkin from my flight back from Cape Town, South Africa. And I took this Delta napkin into him and I said, hey, here, this is my vision. I need you to put this into, into form. And he was, he was like, what are you doing with this? And I'm like, I'm going to put it in fire stations. I'm going to save babies. I mean, I was all excited about it. And he's looking at me like I'm nuts. And he says, well, for $700, I'll, I'll build you whatever you want. And so I wrote a check from my husband's account and walked out of there like a boss thinking that this was the best thing ever, you know, like I was just on top of the world. And then I had to find a legislator to change the law, allowing women for an anonymous surrender. And I thought that this would be easy. This was probably the hardest part. Uh, we passed the law and we uh, asked the Department of Health to make protocols, policies, and procedures for us for the use of baby box. I wanted their help. I wanted to work side by side with them because in Indiana, we were finding about two dead babies a year in our state Jeez. from abandonment. And so I thought, why don't we partner with them? Well, they came back and they refused to do protocols, policies, and procedures. And if you know anything about Monica Kelsey, you know that I don't take no very well. Ask my husband. I can come. <laughs> I can bring him in if you want to ask him. <laughs> Drag but him I, in. <laughs> but um, so I contacted a lawyer and they refused to do them. They said, we, we don't recommend baby boxes, so we're not doing this for you. So I contacted a lawyer and I said, I said, hey, and I, and I knew I needed a jerk as a lawyer. I, so I hired one that I knew was just a complete a-hole because <laughs> I knew I needed that to fight for me. And so I said, hey, I said, is there anything in the law that says I can't put these boxes in? And he says, let me get back to you. And he called me a couple of days later. He goes, Monica, there's nothing in the law that says you can, but there's nothing in the law that says you can't. 
He says, so, yeah, okay. I, and I'm like, so then I can do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, well, yeah, you know, and so he wrote the protocols, policies and procedures for me. And we launched in Indiana without the support of the Department of Health and the Department of Child Services. And and I launched it at my firehouse in uh, Woodburn, Indiana. And it was actually quite easy to talk the officials into um, putting a, a baby box in their, you know, million dollar fire station because my husband's the mayor of the city. Oh, I didn't know your <laughs> husband was the mayor. Yeah. And if he wanted to sleep with his wife at night, he was going to let me put that box in that firehouse. See, see, there you go. No access to the bedroom unless we save. Well, he has a camper now. Exactly. But you're talking about a firehouse right there, which is great because I had a question um, that this leads me right to. And that is where are babies? Obviously, you're talking about these. Uh, these laws, these safe haven laws that you can just walk into a, a hospital, surrender the child and walk out, no questions asked. But is that the number one place where these kinds of abandonments, these surrenders take place? Is it hospitals, uh, police departments, firehouses? What do you see the most? Well, um, and the, the stats, depending on who you ask, you're going to get a different answer to this. Um, what we have found with safe haven baby boxes um, 95% of our surrenders are coming through the fire stations. Hmm. Women trust firefighters. Yeah, they they do. just do. It's less busy, busier than a hospital. Um, but some women will go into a hospital and uh, give birth and surrender that way. Um, so it depends on who you ask um, based on the last 22 years. But our, um, our stats are showing 95% of babies are coming through our firehouses. Wow. Okay. That, see, that's something that I thought... Uh, out of those three, I was I was actually hedging my bets on firehouses. I said if it if the if it was a second place, it'd be very close second behind hospitals. But I did not think that police departments would be the number one pick. I I thought the firehouse was going to be the sleeper there. So that yep. was installed in what you said that your first your first box went active in April of 2016. Yes, at my firehouse. That's Safe Haven Baby Box number one. Now. Uh, how long before the second one was opened and has safe haven baby box number one ever uh, accepted a child? So uh, two days after I launched baby box number one, I actually launched baby box number two in Michigan City, Indiana. They had had seven dead newborns in a 10 year span within five miles of their firehouse. They knew the they knew the alternative, and so they were on board with me, and they were willing to fight. So I launched that one two days after. Uh, Eighteen months later, we got our first baby um, in the Michigan City baby box. Five months after that, we got a second baby in the Michigan City baby box, wow. and then in February of 2019, Woodburn got its first baby. Wow! And uh, so, you this this must be very very sacred statistics for you so i have to imagine that you know exactly how many children you've saved so far do you know well i know how many have come through the box and how many handoffs we've had i don't know like if people call our hotline which it, we call our workhorse of our organization if a woman calls our hotline and then hangs up really fast but goes to a, a different fire station and doesn't tell us 
um, we wouldn't know those, but we've had 37 infants in the boxes and 133 handoffs. And what I mean by handoff, it means a woman walked into a firehouse and handed their child to a person. And some of those fire stations have baby boxes. That's always our first option when a mother calls our hotline is, can you hand this child to a person? If they say no, then we'll give them instructions on the baby box. But if they say yes, that's the safest way for all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're, we're not going to sit here and say, no, it's safer to put your baby in a box because we know that's not true. A hand-to-hand um, surrender is better than a baby in a box. But if you won't get her to do a hand-to-hand surrender, you better have that box available or you're going to find an abandoned infant somewhere. So there's your there's a little bit of your the stories and the the numbers, uh, what you've already done, been able to the information you've been able to collect. What about um, any other stories over the last few years since 2016 when you really hit the ground running? I know that concepts and research started before that, but talk about the just gr- broader impacts, growth, success stories, anything. Do, have you ever uh, you know talked with with mothers that were that were uh, that were grateful for the opportunity that were, because I know that all this has to really do about uh, outreach to women in crisis as well. It's not just so much about making sure that the baby's life is preserved, but that there is, there's help for women who are in really dire straits that are, are considering making all types of bad choices because they feel hopeless. So how has this expanded and made impacts in women's life in general, parents' life in general. There's fathers out there as well. So um, do you have any stories that come to mind with that? Yeah. So every year we get together at our banquet with our babies and their adoptive families. And so I get to love on these babies that come through our program. And that's, that's one of the best blessings that we have. But the biggest accomplishment that I feel that I've accomplished in this ministry is becoming friends with some of these women that have utilized our services. Um, one parent utilized our baby box and she's now a volunteer for our organization. So she'll be at events, you'll see her, but not realize that she has actually utilized one of the Safe Haven baby boxes. It's interesting too, because she contacted us 21 days after she placed her child in the box and she wanted resources, she wanted counseling. And we always recommend that because this is not an easy decision for them. Mm-hmm. And so she started talking to her counselor. Well, I always give my cell phone number to these women because I, I want, if they need anything, they can call me, just call me, text me, whatever. Well, over the years, I've started to gain relationships with, with a lot of these parents. And so I went out to dinner with her um, and we were just casually uh, having a margarita at Applebee's surprisingly, but I asked her and I, there was no agenda for me. I didn't, it wasn't that I needed to know. It was just kind of kind of, casual conversation. And I said, you know, why didn't you walk into that fire station and hand your child to that person? Um, Because she had sat outside in her car for 30 minutes watching the fire guys inside walk around the firehouse. And um, she said something to me that I will never forget. And I've, I've said this to many, many audiences that I've talked to. She said, I didn't want them talking me out of a decision that took me so long to make. Hmm. And that stuck with me because as firefighters, as a firefighter medic myself, we're fixers, we're helpers. We, we want to help you. You bring me a child and you hand me a child, I'm going to try and talk you out of it. You know, that, that's just my nature. We just want to help. Hey, what do you need? What can I do for you to, to, to make this better for you? And these women are telling us they don't want that. They don't want you to talk them out of it. They don't want you to be a counselor. They just want to hand the child over and walk away. And, 
and that's that sealed it for me with her. And so um, I, I would say, I'm going to say probably 60% of the women that have utilized our baby box have been in contact with us. Um, there are about 40% that we've never heard from, and that's okay. Um, you know, we, we don't shame them. We don't judge them. Um, we give them their space because this is, this is what they ask us for, and this mm. is what we're delivering. Um, but that's one of the, that's one of the stories and, and truly, you know, and I think it kind of goes back to my birth mom also, you know, she didn't have anyone to walk alongside her. Um, so if I can walk alongside some of these mothers and bring them just a little bit of peace, um, I, I think it feel for me, I think it, it's just me kind of doing something that my birth mother didn't have. It's like me giving back, uh, in, in a way. Yeah. And you know when you when you talk about that one that that one mother that you you discussed her drop off with, and she said I didn't want you guys talking me out of it. Um, it's it's an it's an incredible story, incredible answer because still you're saying oh my gosh, you didn't want to be talked out of giving your child away. Some people would say why would how, how can this even how can that even be? But when you, you think about you, when you think about somebody who knows themselves who knows exactly how bad their suffering is whether it be substance whether it be any other circumstance in their life that at that moment where they made a decision to essentially put their baby in the 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 basket of reeds and putting sending them down the nile uh Th that is probably the strongest state that they have been in in a long time to make that decision to you know, this is this is probably the best chance I have at saving this child's life because if they stay with me if if things don't get better for me it's going to get much worse for them so I it's just an incredible um, exchange right there and it's very it's a lot deeper than the surface indicates what about regret what about oh, you know Go ahead. What about what about those? Have you ever had a situation where somebody used the box and then came back weeks later and was just like, "Please, where's my baby?" Uh, we've had one um, out of the thirty-seven. We've had one, and uh, she was successful in uh, getting her child back. It's not easy. It took her a few months to do it because they had to verify that this child was safe, that this baby was, you know, had a place to live. Um, there was a lot of things that were involved in this case that, that needed attention before this baby was going to be safe back with, the, with its mother. Mm -hmm. um, but as for regret, I think it would not be normal for someone to not regret it. I, I, I just, I think they just need reassurance that whatever the, the decision is that they make, as long as it's safe, we got you. Mm -hmm. And it, it's got to be pretty heroic for a parent to say i want what's best for my child and it is not me and we should be lifting these parents up instead of saying how could you do that why would you do that somebody you don't even know who's going to raise your child it's like these parents are entrusting the, the the one thing that they love probably with their entire heart to be raised by another mother why would we not lift her up and tell her thank you yeah, they, because you look at the news today, how many kids are being abused and killed by their parents, you know, under the age of one. We're at a record high right now this year, 2023 um, or 2022, actually, um, is the highest in infant mortality we have been in 20 years. And a lot of these are being killed. These children are being killed under the age of one by their parents. Hmm. You know, the other thing there, too, is, of course, as I was saying before, I was covering some of the uh, some of the news last night. Um, how how to me uh, sad 
how prominent the 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 subject of abortion is in all things American elections. That this is it, it seems to be one of the the greatest things that moves the needle for anybody these days. And you're just like this. Uh, it, it's so con- it's confounding and it's so tragic. And you know, I, I, it makes you wonder. The the whole story there too, because because Monica, you know what, what's most incredible about your story to me, is that uh, you're a person conceived during a sexual assault. That right there, that is used that that rape sexual assault that is used as the red herring to explain why abortion is necessary and compassionate. You know, of course, it's a red herring because the truth is that ninety nine percent of abortions are purely contraceptive in nature. But it makes you right. wonder. How many people never had a chance? How many of those tens of millions of babies over the years never had a chance? It also makes you wonder how many George Baileys were never born. And, uh, and maybe this is why we're, we're living in Pottersville in the moment. Who, who, who knows? But um, it's just your story is the prime reasoning uh, for safe, legal, and rare um, because people say, well, what could ever good from coming from something what good can come from something so traumatic as a rape? But we're, we're, we're talking to one of those things right now. We're talking to you tonight. Your story is incredible. And I, um, and, you know, I, I also read something about a fireman. Is this true? There was one fireman. It made national news. It, one fireman that actually adopted one of the babies that was dropped off at your boxes. Tell us about this. Yeah, so actually we have three, three firefighters that have our babies. Wow. This one obviously made national news, but he was actually the firefighter that pulled baby from box. It was in the middle of the night. The alarms went off. They came downstairs because they were still in the firehouse sleeping, came downstairs, and he went eye to eye with this newborn little girl. And he said that the moment he looked her in the eye, he knew it was over for him. And so him and his wife had been trying to adopt. They were registered with an adoption agency in the state of Florida. And so he rode into the hospital, uh, into the, uh, to the hospital in the ambulance with the infant. And when he got to the hospital, he, he looked at the doctor and he says, I, I want her to be my daughter. What do I need to do? And, and uh, uh, it just the cards just fell into place for him. And it did make national news. But it's interesting, though, because the reason why it made national news is because they went national because they wanted to thank her birth mom. And that was crucial because if this woman was watching, and I, I this parent never contacts us, if she was watching, I am sure that brought her just a little bit of peace knowing how happy and healthy and beautiful her little girl is. Yeah. It's a it's a remarkable story, and again, it it's it, it born from this inspiration that you had, something you saw in uh, South Africa, also fueled by uh, a revelation of your your life. And look what, how much amazing stuff has come from it. I um I had another question for you, and I'm 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 forgetting it now. Oh, you know, it's a little bit more of a broader question as we wrap up our interview here. Um, in the last few years, especially. With the new the rise of new media, you know, uh, w- child welfare has really become a center focus for a lot of people. The issue, issues like abortion, we said before, abandonment, trafficking, uh, we receive that all those issues and more receive so much attention now because of independent documentary making, podcasts, uh, independent movie houses. Uh, taking uh, talking from someone in your position who is really in this what can you tell me about the ripple effect 
that this has caused in general over the last five years? Do you have a lot more people uh, reaching out to you to volunteer? Um, do, you, do you just see a lot more people wanting to, uh, to be a part of something more wholesome than what we're surrounded by? Do you see culture changing as, I like to ask people who are on the ground if you see culture changing, because if the 30,000 foot view, everything looks terrible. But I, I like hearing from people like you about this. Well, I'll tell you, the outcome of support has, has been a blessing. Um, the, the, the more boxes we put in, the bigger we're getting. Um, the more I have more volunteers than I have jobs for. Um, so the people are are wanting to help. They're wanting to help us be the hands and feet of Christ. And it's it's truly a blessing. It really is. Um, every time there's a baby saved, people come out of the woodwork. They see us on the ground. They see what we're doing. We are changing lives. You know, when I started this organization, I, I told myself I wanted to change the narrative. I wanted to change the narrative because adoption in this country uh, and somebody safely and legally surrendering under the safe haven law in this country these women are not propped up. They are judged, they are shamed, and they feel horrible. We need to change that narrative and lift them up and say, you know what, it's okay. It's okay if you can't parent. We, we got you. There, there's no shame here. There's no judgment here. Um, your life can go on, this child's life can go on, and thank you for keeping your child safe. I have had so much, so many people uh, reach out to me just because I'm saying those words. Every time a baby is saved in one of our boxes, I, I go on front of it in front of a camera and I thank the parent. I, and, and I say, thank you for keeping your child safe. Thank you for entrusting, you know, the Carmel fire department, uh, to, to take it from here. Your, your baby was picked up in less than a minute. Um, uh, loved by firefighters all the way to the hospital. And now we're in the process of finding, you know, your little girl a forever home. This is bringing them peace. This is changing the narrative. This is changing the culture. And we are seeing that on the ground. Um, and that's encouraging. Now, uh, I will say we are getting a lot more babies in our boxes this year than we ever have. Uh, and that's, I always said that the success with Safe Haven Baby Boxes is by how many babies we don't find in dumpsters and trash cans, not by how many babies we find in our boxes. Because a baby in one of our boxes, it's a beautiful thing, it's amazing, but we also have a parent now that felt they had no other options. And we missed it. Hmm. We, we absolutely missed it. And so um, do I see the, the narrative change? And yes, I, I do see it. I do see it change. I, I have so many people that reach out to us on social media and even just commenting, you know, thanking the parent when I put these videos up. TikTok has been a game changer for us. I know the Chinese is watching everything I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't care. Um, but that was a game changer for us. I put my first video up two years ago and it, it, it 30 million views. I have one video up there that's got 50 million views. You know, people are encouraged by what we're doing. You know, we're not just talking the talk. We are walking the walk. And we have so many supporters behind us that we have to thank because of that. We couldn't do it alone. We really couldn't. Well, um, I, I really appreciate the time that you spent with us tonight. I have shbb.org in the description of this episode. I was just having it on display on the screen a little bit with you here. So for anybody out there, I know that you are pretty much in that Midwest area in the in the country, but uh, are you starting to, I know you said you, had, you have more volunteers and you have uh, tasks to, to dole out. Um, do you see this uh, expanding countrywide one day? I have to imagine you're thinking about something that big. 
Uh, I hope to be nationwide by 2025. Where oh. there are abandoned babies, Monica Kelsey's boxes will be. There you go. There you go. And I, and I hope and, and everybody, if they wanted to reach out to see if there's anything that they can contribute, whether it be resources or their own personal time, all that could be done through your website. It sure can. All right. Well, Monica, I would love to have you back on the show again one day to talk about your progress as this continues to grow and and uh, and do do good for the entire world. And and on behalf of everybody in the the chat room, thank you for everything you've done. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for for supporting us. It means the world to us. All right. Well, have a wonderful rest of your evening. Thank your husband for the time. Uh, I, I, have you bought something there? Did you get like a? a I did. You get a get. You have to get a get buy a cake pop or something. Okay, there you go. Well, Great. And- I got a protein box for the ride. Oh, I usually go for that with the, yeah, I know with the eggs with the and the eggs. cheese. All right. Yep. All right. Well, yep. enjoy your protein. We'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right, Monica Kelsey. There she goes. What a, uh, what a wonderful call that was. That was something else. That is it's s s h b b dot org. Put it up on the screen. Oh, whoop. Robert E. Lee is up there with me. Sorry. SHBB.org. It's in the description of this episode. I hope that um, hope that many of you go and check it out and at least keep in touch and, and follow her work along the way. We're going to take a little bit break uh, for intermission. When we come back, we're going to take your calls and uh, do, a little, do a little something else. All right? Great, great stuff. Thank you again to Monica. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite frankly, how dare you?
All right, so... Man, that's just, um... It's good to have a, a guest like that on. And, I, and you know, what I said to Monica, it's really that those are those, those are the thoughts that were really bubbling in my mind there. It really makes you, it makes, really makes you wonder when you have somebody whose story starts in such a traumatic way. Um, you remember that Monica's story is the prime reasoning for safe, legal, and rare distinction with abortion. Because, say, what good can come from that? And so this is really tonight's tonight was made possible, really a testament of Monica's biological mother's courage. She gave Monica up, but she still gave Monica a chance. And and, and let me also just say that is not me passing personal judgment on anyone um, who became pregnant because of a rape and terminated the pregnancy. Uh, after or uh, I'm just being objective about the courage that it took for Monica's biological mother and how how long it took for things to I don't know for perspective to be gained and a mission in life to be procured and, and of course everybody's outcome in life is going to be totally different and my opinions on things like abortion and contraception and babies and relationships and everything my opinions have have changed over time with experience and witnessing uh cultural trends and wondering what's all behind them some things just are what they are other things there's too big of a fact pattern to say that just happening in a vacuum so it's truly no judgment because obviously monica passes no judgment she's just there to try to save as many lives going forward and I just think that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Um, so let's take some let's take some calls. I definitely want to take some calls from people. You let me know if you've ever had a situation like that. Do you have a, a story that's similar to Monica's? An incredible origin story, an infant survival story, abandonment. Hot, that you can just call in. There's more. There's more that we'll get to over time. Uh, over the course of over the course of the rest of this year because Thanksgiving is really a a wonderful stretch of weeks that we can try to block out as much as that's going on outside and remind ourselves what the hell the best parts of our journey really are so that you can charge up for another go around another trip around the sun another trip around the sun that's what we have. So the general line is open 914-200-0269. And let us see if we have any super chats. One came in from Rumble. This is from Gum Gum. It says, if you can answer how many of the 600, six, oh wait, how many of the 60% of women who check back tell that they were raped? Oh, oh darn. I didn't, I didn't see that. I don't know how much... That's saying that that sounds like a little bit. It, it, it's a good question, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's a statistic that Monica would be able to get a a really accurate number on, because so much of what is, uh, so much of what drives her project is anonymity. So I'd have to imagine that 
there is a lot of information that you just, you can't glean. So maybe when Monica comes back, we can, we can learn about that. But it's a good question. I just wonder if that is too specific for an anonymous operation to pick up any uh, meaningful statistics on it. Let's see, anything else on Rumble? Rumble rants are always appreciated. You can send them right in. I will check them in real time. Over on, quite frankly, superchat.com. Jay Britz says, holy cow, Frank, what an interview. I had tears in my eyes for the whole thing. Thank you for this. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. These are the shows that make it all roll. Stostube. Evening, Frank, and frankly, it's a little extra shout-out for the one and only Jay Britz because hope uh, hope all around. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, just because, period. Hope all are well. Where the hell did I even get around? Where did I get the word around from? It's because they cut off the Super Chats and in weird ways and just makes it, my mind goes nuts. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Stostube, for your generosity. And thank you again, Jay Britz, for inspiring him jay brits says quite frankly elevation blend is on the way i wonder if jay brits was the first bag of coffee i hope you guys enjoy it because like i said we'll go a little bit darker at times i don't think there'll ever be a quite frankly dark roast it just dark roast coffee tastes like you're straining water through an ashtray to me i just don't have a good time with them like light to medium and uh, and yes, Katie Sky says, what a wonderful show tonight, Frank. I'm happy you like it. I'm happy you like it. We need we need a little bit more hope and strength and yeah. A lot of that going on. Uh, Mike's Miss 321 says, love from a non-woke art teacher in a non-woke public school. Such a moving show tonight. Thank you for all that you do and have done. Mike's Miss. Wow, a non-woke art teacher in a non-woke public school. Can we talk? Can we speak with each other? I have so many questions. That's terrific. I'd love to know what's some of your, uh, the curriculum that you lay out. Because I have something for you. I have something for you guys. You want to talk about a uh, a project, a school project? I'll I'll uh, I'll read that to you in a little bit, and maybe on another night we'll dive deeper into it. But that's really incredible. Thank you. It's good to know that there are non woke art teachers out there in non woke public schools. Let's take a call two zero eight. You're on the show. Hi, Frank. Hi. What's going on? Hey, I called you before. Um, my heart's pounding this time because it's a much more difficult call, but um, I was the thingling that went jogging down the beach in the jog, uh, doppelganger story. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. I, that's right. That's right. I thought about that story the entire way home. <laughs> oh, and, 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 and let me also just say, when every time I, heard, I uh, thought about that story, I only thought about it from the jogger's perspective, not yours. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, there were, were there were more funny doppelgangers. Of course, um, my, somebody thought that same guy was that was my brother was actually some girl, and she came up and started kissing. Or she thought he was her boyfriend, right? And she 
kissing him on the neck. But anyway, the reason I called tonight is I sent the question in because I was curious because I was actually um, raped and became pregnant. And um, it was really, really hard for me. And so I um, actually had the baby, but I knew I was going to have to give it up for adoption because I couldn't, I couldn't keep, keep her or anyway, um, I did mine differently, but I was really curious to know because I've heard statistics lately that there's actually a lot of women who, um, do get pregnant from rape Mm -hmm. and them up for adoption. And in my case, it took me about six months of, um, actually trying to find the right parents who wanted to adopt for the right reasons. And I went through every doctor I went through begged me to find a patient of theirs because there are so many thousands of um, wanting parents. And I went through like probably 15 feet of stacks of files of parents Hmm. who wanted until I found the parents. But I was curious because it was just, it was so touching. Well, about the then this episode, obviously for someone like you is going to, it's going to hit home, uh, a, a, a lot deeper than, than well, others. And how, how many years, how many years ago was that? Um, it was about 20, 25 years ago. Wow. And I did meet her and um we picked her up at the airport and um my son raced to her first she was with her fiance my son scooped her up in the air and swung her around and around and around and they both had tears in their eyes and he said i always knew there was a you and um she came and stayed with us and met my parents and my brothers and sisters and they all said, oh, you're so one of us. And she said that she was freaked out because she's like, I look like all of you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is, you know, for for it, it's surreal for me to hear it because I'm putting myself in that. I'm trying to I'm just trying to, you know, put myself in, in those shoes. We didn't have there's nothing like that in my family. There's been people who have been adopted in my family, but I'm trying to put myself in that room and it's just, um, especially for her to be your daughter too. That's something. It's one thing to to find out that you have a cousin that you you never met or that you're being reunited yeah. with, but it, that's that that that's just something else. So you're still in you're still in touch with her. And and when you when you found the pa- the parents and all that, was there a special provision that like when the day came, there would be some option to reach out and say hello or if the daughter wanted to learn about you she would be able to reach you how does that work because i i I never knew i never know what the uh the privacy how strict the privacy mandates are for all that the parents were um really really super super grateful and they always told me if you ever need anything but i waited for her 18th birthday because i never wanted her to feel torn i always wanted her to know that that was her mom and her dad Mm. and always knew that i would always have this deep love for her 
but that she wouldn't have that same love for me because she had a mom and dad. Right. I never expected that from her, but um, I reached out and it, I didn't know how to go about it, but I still had their phone number. So I called her on her 18th birthday and I left the message um, and um, to wishing her a happy birthday. And she said she heard my voice and she knew exactly who it was and they weren't home. And her parents were really um, nervous or jarred at the time, but then they worked it out and she did was able to call me back. And we and I said, you know what? If it's not comfortable for your parents, um, I want you to wait until it's comfortable for everybody. And then you're welcome to reach out to me. And she did. And then um, she was um, able to come see us. Uh, and my mother was very ill, and she was in bed and, and died pretty soon after. She was up for a while, and then she went to bed. And they left to say goodbye, and everybody hugged goodbye. And um, she came back in, pounding on the door about 10 seconds later with tears running down to her face. And she went to my mom's bed, and she was crying and hugging her, and she said, you're the perfect grandma I always imagined you'd be. And it was just so amazing. But mm. anyway, it's good for me to talk because it's kind of a little bit. Well, it's, I mean, this is, a, is an incredible story. And it's exactly what I ho- was hoping would come through after the guests we had tonight. But l- let me ask you this one last question. Um, on her 18th birthday, you make the decision that you're going to give them a call. What yeah. the hell were you feeling as you picked up that phone and you started dialing that that number? I was probably shaking a, like t- 25% more than I am right now, <laughs> knowing that I'm probably going on the air. And so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could... You could cut me off any time. No, no, it's a, no, no. This is a, this is a it's a very appropriate, a very appropriate, enthralling story, and I'm glad you got through. And I, I, I knew that that would have to be the case because that's a huge phone call to make. It was. That's it was a huge very, call. Scary. It was very scary. So it's always this really warm feeling because she, because I said, I hope you know how much. I wanted you to have the best family I could find for you. And she goes, oh, you picked so good for me. Thank you. And so that made my life. That really made my life. And you know what? I don't think that anyone who doesn't do that way, maybe um, they had to put the baby in a box in their situation. They should love themselves for giving that child the life that they have and they should always feel like they did a beautiful thing in that because it's it's the alternative is so painful and unthinkable it's it's a beautiful person and giving them letting someone take them and love them i mean that is honorable to me and it, for me, it was something I felt like I could handle at that time in my life. But maybe at another time, I would have been somebody that that needed to be um, run and throw the baby in a box and hide. So I 
I don't have any. I mean, God bless them for doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said. And um, uh, thank you so much for the call tonight. And I, I hope that you have a great evening and a great weekend. And well, until the next time, every, so far you're two for two. Every time you call in, it's a great story. So hopefully you don't screw, don't screw it up next time because <laughs> I don't know. All right. I'm going to don't challenge yet. <laughs> don't don't screw it up. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Mm-hmm, bye bye. Wow, that's uh. What can he? What can you say? What can you say? Let's go. Let's go to another. Oh darn! They just blinked out. They just. I was just about to take another call, and then they blinked away. Where'd you go, Blinky? Here we go. Let's go to another one. 314, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Frank, it's Patrick. Hey, Patrick, how are you? Good, good. What an amazing guest. What a contrast. What a purposeful life. Imagine Mm. that. Yeah. It almost feels like that. I'm not a big Old Testament guy, but the Moses story. Yeah. You know, where he floated, abandoned, and then he saved, you know what I mean? But, um... What I want to say is uh, your last caller, you know, a lot of women are going through this, but uh, what I did when I was young, and uh, my daughter's a blessing, and I'm not going to use her name because hopefully she doesn't hear this anyway, but I brought her mother to get an abortion because I was single, I was early, I was young, and uh, I was cultured into almost like a a late, uh, what do you call it, Uh, uh, counter-receptive. And uh, so I was in that thrall, and when I went into the Planned Parenthood, they pushed me aside, this one woman, I thought, how rude, and they took Gail aside, and um, she come out, and she said, no, I'm having a baby. So I drove her back. I said, okay, we're not going to get married, this and that. But, yes, it was such a blessing that, that she didn't. She's my only daughter. She's an angel. Now I got a, a, a granddaughter out of it, too. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Your guess was amazing that she went right from one side to the other, and now she's helping, and I I appreciate. I well, appreciate your guest. Well, well, and I, I, thank you, sir. I know I appreciate. I appreciate your call, Pat. And and uh, so you went. I'm I'm sorry. Did I did I miss, did I miss something? Did you go to the clinic with your wife, and she went into the clinic, and she was talked out of it, or she had second thoughts while inside, and came out and said, "No, I'm," or or this was prior to to going to the clinic. I brought her there, and I said, "Yeah, we're gonna we got to do an abortion." And then, uh, like, I had her talked into it. And then once we got in, the, the one woman, God bless her, said, can you wait outside? And then I was So they count. So, I mean, obviously this is at a and time. Then, and she talked to her and said, no, no, we got things for you. We can have, you can have the baby. And I thought this was an abortion clinic. And I was all upset at first. And then I thought, oh, my God. In hindsight, oh my God, what a blessing! So it was, uh, it was an abortion clinic, but still they counseled her, and they didn't. Yep. Oh, that see, yeah. That, see, that's something right there yeah. that is, um, 
that even even that in itself is very very alien to what we read about and what we hear about today where you can't even talk mm-hmm. to people that are on the sidewalk walking into an abortion clinic because that would somehow uh ohio perhaps perhaps the vote i know ohio oh i know i know and, and for you and thank you for the call patrick a wonderful call for to hear him to hear patrick say that he he brought his girl to the clinic and they were agreed upon to go and have an abortion. And then at Planned Parenthood or wherever it was, they actually counseled her and she changed her mind. Who knows? Maybe who knows what they what they showed her, what they let her see, what they let her hear, what they just explained to her that that, of course, is not present today. That's um. That's a, a sign of the times just in itself. All right, 914-200-0269. We can keep going with this for a couple more minutes. Five zero uh, five zero four. you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Frank, it's Kelly and the Kitty Cat. Hello, what's going on, Kelly? I am a bastard love child, and without my maternal grandparents, I don't know where I'd be. Hmm. My mom got pregnant with a love affair she happened to have with a married man. I never met him. I don't know if she knew that he was married or what, but I feel that my grandfather threatened his wife and said, don't even try to come into our life, stay away. And I found out after my mom died in 2006, she got pregnant again after me and my grandmother said, I can only handle one grandbaby. I can't handle another one. I'm sorry, I'm shaking. No, you just relax. It's okay. It's okay. And, uh, she went to a home, in, I'm in Louisiana, and she was driven to a, a unwed mother's home in Mississippi and finished, you know, having, I guess, finished the nine months and gave up the boy, mm. it was a boy. And he had contacted a cousin of mine on Facebook, but he said he was fine and didn't want to meet anybody. He just wanted to see what his mother looked like and know some more about her. And at the time I had Facebook and I had bunches of pictures of her from when she was young to when she was older. And uh, he was able to see on my Facebook page, her pictures and I guess see what she looked like and maybe hopefully answer his questions. Wow. And then when my mom died, I actually, when my grandparents died, my mom felt guilty that she had lied to me about my dad and told me he might still be alive. She gave me a bunch of letters that he'd written love letters from the USS Ticonderoga where he was stationed in the Navy in San Diego and I had a friend that was a private investigator, is a private investigator, and he tracked him down in Missouri, and he called, and coincidentally, um, this was, I guess, in about March of 2003, he contacted the, the number, and it was a woman that answered, and it was his wife, and she said that he had passed away on January 2nd, 
of 2003, so he died on 123. Mm. And uh, that they didn't want nothing to do with us, and she called my mom a whore. And um, they had kids, I don't know how many, boys and girls. And at that point, I just dropped it. Yeah, you, you know. My boss at the time. That was going to be. should have contacted him. That was going to be, uh, it, it, it's totally within your, you know, he's your father. So for you to have that curiosity and, and to want to at least make yes. an attempt, that's totally understandable. It's also very yeah. understandable for them to not want to be very understanding, you know. Right. Uh, but, but, as far as, but as far as your brother goes, as far as your brother goes, I know he said he didn't want to meet anybody, but after as you were right. exchanging all the pictures of your mom with him, did you have any... Uh, interactions with him that lasted or that's just really where it ended that's where it ended he didn't contact me or want to contact me they said according to my cousin and then um i wound up i was in a lawsuit and the lawyers recommended that i drop off of the social media and facebook and also i deactivated my account Hmm. and when i tried to log back on recently it wound up logging me in or wanting to log me into some guy named Jose in Texas that has the same exact 504 phone number as I do, but in Texas. I don't know how that works. Contacted Facebook about two dozen times and no response. So I'm not able to access all of my pictures I had on Facebook. Oh, well, so and then I lost the other ones in Ida. Well, don't, uh, oh, well, without the physical pictures, yeah, that's that. Yeah. But, you know, you know, uh, as far as losing digital pictures, you don't have to talk to anybody else except Matt. Matt has a, I think Matt actually right. got, I think he actually got uh, his his uh, Google account restored, so. Uh, oh, I hope we're, so. We're all, I very, hope so. we're all very happy My for him. My heart broke when I heard that. <laughs> don't, don't, please, it's mostly memes. Don't worry about that. But, listen, thank you so much for the call. Thank you for all. Thank you for all you do. I love y'all. Wow. You're an awesome little family, and I appreciate everything that you do. The balance of funny with serious and the crisis that our country is going on. Thank you, Frank. Well, thank you, and have a, have a wonderful evening, and thank you for sharing. You've done a lot of good for a lot of people by doing that. Um, all right, we're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, uh, some more items, and then uh, who knows? Tonight, tonight, um Maybe we'll go for the full two hours. I don't know. Um, I have some news I have to deliver to you. So let's just uh, let's do this real quick, and we will be right back. Hey, Frank. You're one talented guy. You're very good. Very good. A Boise, Idaho woman is considered a medical miracle. Laura Esterman was struck by lightning nearly a month ago, and she was considered officially dead. Thankfully, CPR from her mom revived her heart, but she laid in a coma for two weeks, and then she defied all odds and woke up. Well, obviously, there was a problem with that tape. She doesn't really sound like that. She doesn't remember the accident, but the evidence is clear. I am so sorry. QFTV has got music, movies, video roundup, throwback, vintage, frankly, episodes, and so much more. So hang out. Chill nightly at quite frankly. TV.
fucking mouth! Now isn't that a shame? You came so close to stopping peace, but you see, peace always finds a way. Goodbye, Team America. I've just got one piece of bad news for you, Robbins. What's that? I'm a smoker. Okay, you know, I was talking before about, um, <laughs> I was talking before about whatchamacallit, the, uh, the woke, who's our, our woke, uh, art teacher over there. I got to read you a little something that we have to talk about in the, in the coming days. I have somebody in my life who is still in, uh, you know, is in or around schools, one local high school around here. And I got this. It is a, a project that was sent home with some students. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm not one to freak out, and I'm not freaking out about this too, but it's very strange. And I want, I want to dive into this with this audience some night to try to really be even keel about what can be learned from this kind of a project. Now, this is a, uh, a class, it's a class called the Shapers class, okay? And I don't know what it is, if it's social studies or whatever the hell it is, it's called Shapers. And listen to this project, it's the Creation Project. In this project, you will conceive of a society emerging from chaos, cut off from any cultural roots, um, its settings may be primitive or it can be futuristic or apocalyptic. Your conception must consider time, place, people, conditions, and environment in its composition. For this imaginary society, you will develop a creation myth, a system of beliefs and worship, and perform a sacred ritual representative of that system. They have to create and perform a ritual to a religion that they are having to make up for this society. Overall, uh, in the written material and the performance, the project should establish a convincing internal logic. Exact, uh, and if an example of that is, there should be no obvious inconsistencies between the society's circumstances, artifacts, belief system, and rituals. Now, right there, I'm saying to myself, no inconsistencies between the society's circumstances, artifacts, belief systems, and rituals. What the hell would that entail? Are you talking about creating a perfect society? Is, is that supposed to be something to set you up to fail? I, I wonder if this, are you being set up to fail? To make some kind of commentary about how uh, all the belief systems of the world we have right now all of the, you know, the, everything that was conceived by our founders, with even with our constitution, everything uh, needs to be scrapped and started from the... I, I wonder what it is, because how can you even endeavor 
to get this right unless you're going to conclude that it was impossible and that we are uh, we're spinning out of control and uh, i don't know and then they go into it there's a german art term that means something close to total work of art your project meets the criteria for this because your creative process combines different forms of art into a single cohesive whole students have been grouped randomly this choice was purposeful is an attempt to simulate the circumstances of a new society that must develop a common cultural foundation to survive and thrive. So they understand that culture needs to be common in able to uh, in a, uh, to be uh, to survive and thrive. You see, everybody understands that that is a very base thing, very based kind of thing. You have to understand that. So. With that in mind, it makes you wonder why anybody would ever push for multiculturalism, no? I want to get into this some night because obviously we don't have a lot of time in the second, uh, in the last half hour to dive into the, the, the details of this project. And, and, uh, and I know that there's a lot of really, really smart people out in the audience that would bring some perspective that maybe from the surface uh, skim through like I just did, I wouldn't be able to conceive of. So uh, that's what we have. On that uh, on that note, now I have um, I'm going to open up uh, the lines again. I'm going to open the lines again. 914-914-200-0269. Call in. Going to take one or two more calls, and then we're going to start wrapping it up a little bit uh, a little bit early. Eight twenty nine. What do you got for me? Nine one four two zero 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 two six nine. We can go back into the um, Super Chats in a little bit, see how that's stacking up over there on QuiteFrankly.tv or Pilled.net. We have the gold pills that are flowing in. Thank you, Robert Sarns, NJSF. Reggie, C. Blant says, we must keep laughing at these bastards. That's in the beginning she's talking about. She's not talking about uh, well, Monica, of course. <laughs> talking about the uh, in the beginning with those... those um, clips that we played c blanche again says amen j sem says my brother adopted five kids four that were handicapped god bless them and monica chai possum says amazing guest thank you frank thank you monica god bless you paulie 9363 sends a little bit of love so does sean joe njsf again says wonderful show guest and callers chai possum just ordered quite frankly coffee can't wait to get elevated let me know you know how I drink coffee now? I mean, every once in a while, I like putting a little bit of uh, the raw creamer in it, especially the raw creamer from the farm, because then you get that really high fat content. You can actually see the fat. It, it just it doesn't actually make it takes a lot more to lighten up the coffee. It's deceptive. So you don't need to put a lot in. The coffee still looks pretty dark, but the fat content in the creamer, it just makes your 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 brain explode. I love it. But uh, I've also been using this nootropic mushroom blend that um, that Jay introduced me, uh, introduced to me. One scoop of that into the the black coffee, and it it dissolves almost like collagen protein. But it's really really good, and I can't wait to get a bag myself because I haven't tasted this blend since we had the taster, the taster uh, package, and that's all gone. Anyway. C. Blanche, thank you. NJSF says the exercise sounds like talking past the sale. Programming to desire the chaos. Yeah. 
makes you want to desire the chaos that we're all in right now? Or, because I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. This is, this is what I, I really want to be able to open that up with, and maybe we'll do it next week. Maybe on a Tuesday night. Maybe on Tuesday night next week. Let's take a caller. Uh, 315, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, this is Karen. Hey, Karen. Are you Frank? I am. Karen, if you would just uh, turn down the, the stream in the back, that would be wonderful, but I hear you fine. Yes, hi. Well, thanks for taking my call. And I have a situation where when I was, this was back in 1973, I was 19, and um, I got pregnant. And I was at the I was brought up by a very strict Catholic family, and they were so ashamed of me. I felt a lot of shame mm. myself because of it, and they didn't want to have anything to do with the child, neither did the father. I mean, I was hoping maybe they would help me raise the child, but they didn't. So I did place a child um, for adoption, and um, and I knew, like deep in my heart, that my uh, I made the right choice, and I knew that he would be with the right family for him, a good family. Mm. So, uh, okay, now let's go further. <laughs> into like uh, uh, not like 2021 I believe oh so just a couple of years ago okay yeah so um, I back in 2000 or in, in in the 1990s I can't remember when I put my name like in New York State if you put if the mother puts her name into this like adoption agency database, then um, if the child's interested in, in finding their mother, um, then, you know, they, they, they'll connect too. Mm -hmm. It was still difficult. It wasn't easy. And in fact, his parents wanted to find me. They were, they were curious about me. They almost hired a detective to find me. So anyway, um, so they, I, I have to imagine that they reached out. They, they finally, there was a, a reunion. There was a, there well, was, well, let me tell you what happened. I'm trying to gather my thoughts. Okay. So then, um, I think in 2020 or 2021, a bill was passed in New York state, which made it easier. I mean, I don't know what my uh, son told me that. I don't know what bill it was or what was written in the bill, but it, it made it easier for par children and parents mm -hmm. to connect with each other. So he put his name into the agency database, and he did that right after he found out the law was passed. That was like late 2020, and like in three months he got he got a 
letter in the mail with my name and information, and I got a letter in the mail. And I got the letter in the mail the day before my mother's funeral, which was, it was happy and a sad. It was, I was happy about it and sad because I knew he wasn't going to get to meet his grandmother. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we did uh, connect on the phone, and then we started uh, calling each other once a week, and and we would be on the phone for like six hours at a time in the beginning. Wow! It was just uh, insane. And did you meet? But did you meet in per- Did you meet in person at all? Canada, so I wasn't able to meet him. Okay. Until eventually the borders opened up and he was able to come down, and I was able to meet him. But it, it turns out to be a very happy story because we're we. We just love each other so deeply, and we're close. We're like friends, and I've been a mother to him in the best way I can. And his mother, his father has passed, but his uh, mother who raised him, she was thrilled when she found out. That's great. That he found me, yeah. So it, it worked out well. It did bring up a lot of shame at the time. All that shame I experienced and regret and on and on, that came up. But I was able to process it through eventually. So, um, well, that's, that's the story, basically. That's oh, a... yeah. And then um, we had a family gathering so Jason could meet his family. And it was like every, everybody in the family said it was like we knew him all along. That's a wonderful story, and I'm I'm glad. And again, there's there's a uh, very long wait. He's uh, what? What? He should be nearly fifty years old now. Yes. So, yes. I was. Um, he was forty-eight, and I was sixty-eight. Wow. Well, I'm I'm so happy that even though time grinded along slowly, and thank you so much for the call tonight, that 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 happened, and it turned out that you were able to process a lot of things, and you felt a a, a great great celebration at the end. I hope you have a wonderful evening, my friend. Um, uh, that's uh, you know I I knew that these this I, I actually I didn't know I hoped I always know that the things I want to talk about there's plenty of people out there who will be able to call in and just make the show go into the the outer limits as far as how awesome it is. I know it. Oh, I know it. And the fact that so many of those people got through tonight is is really something something special. Because I know no matter what the topic is, I know that there are people that are listening that I would be able to get a contribution that really emboldens the topic. And we, we did it well tonight. Um... Now, I got to say, I mean, I have to tell you guys something. It's off topic, and it's, um, it's really bothering me. And I, I just found out something disturbing, and I had to, uh, I got to let you all know, and there's going to be more follow-up on it soon, but it's, it's not related to tonight's topic, but it's related to everybody in the audience, and I'm just going to, I'm going to come out and, and just say it that a, uh, a, fr- a friend of ours for many years, Albert, Flat Albert, um, he died. Uh, Albert lost his life. He took his life. I'm so very sorry to say. 
and I really don't. This is in the back of my mind the entire night. I got a email from his son a couple of days ago, and he he took his life on the sixth of November, and his family is in you know, a lot of a lot of it's it's a it's a really rough time for his family. You know, there's there's some details that are just not necessary because that's really just what it it what it comes down to. And I just don't know I just don't know where it is. I can't tell you how I'm feeling personally right now. It's a very, very strange, uh surreal mix of numb, angry, definitely angry, mournful, and uh I don't know. I'm not it, it's not a um it's not an exhilaration. It's a whirlwind that when a cluster of people you know, some closer than others, just suddenly are just on the other side now. So suddenly. It almost makes me feel like I'm walking a, a, a balance beam between worlds and you can just feel it all around you. Now, I... I uh, his His wife, Lisa, who... He just loved so much, always bragged about her, got in touch with me and said if she can come on and, and ask people to for some support. And so I told her, I, I said, listen, Lisa, I will I'll tell everybody I'll tell everybody the news, but you just take the weekend and you let me know if there's anything you want to say on Monday, if you feel up to coming on and saying something or if you want me to read something that you prepared. Because I didn't want her to 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 come out and and have to talk i'm it's just very surreal it's very surreal and i'm i'm very numb inside from a lot of this stuff and you just don't know what's going on with people you just don't know what's going on so albert is gone and um i don't know how we'll remember him over uh, over time we got to do something to remember him and I know that he made a lot of friends in the chat room, and I know that he, he, uh, I mean, you've heard his voice for years if you've been listening to this show. And it's, it's just one of those things. Now, there is a, there is a GoFundMe, and there is a lot of anxiety within the family. They're crushed. They're, they're crushed. So I'd like to just, uh, I'd like to get this link out to people. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it in the description of this episode. I'll put it into the the many chat rooms right now. Uh, I don't know. Some places might have links disabled in the chat rooms. I'm putting it into the chat rooms right now. And if you if you wanted to if you want to help the family out in this need uh, in this time of need, then. I think that would be wonderful. I will be uh, making some sort of a, a contribution, and it's just the least. It's it's just the. I wanted this to be a real sick joke. His son is the one that got in touch with me first, and my heart sank, and I just wanted it to be a joke, and um, I, it's not. So, keep him in your prayers. Pray for his soul. Obviously, he was going through a lot of things and never let on. You know, just uh, he's one of those guys that would call in in good humor, even in the face of some of the, the worst news that the world can get. And kind of with a little sardonic nature that he had, the sarcasm, the kind of always, at, um, always ready to, to redefine the lines of reality and not 
take things too seriously, which is why I would never have have pinned him for somebody in, in this kind of distress. But again, you just don't know about people. You just don't know. So I put that in the chat room, and I will make sure that I put it in the Gilded. I'll put it in the, the Telegram. I will put it in the, um, in the description of this episode. And I'm going to get off now because no real use taking calls for the last 10 minutes about something so big that affects this, this show, this, um, this audience. But we will have a night where we'll just take calls maybe on Monday night at some point, maybe the second half of Monday night or whatever it is. I want to hear from people and you can, you can say whatever you want, but that's just, um, I had to relay that to you, unfortunately. So my parting shot to you for this evening, before I get into, I think we just had a couple of, let me do these super chats real quick. And then I'm going to, I'm going to give you a parting shot and, and we're, we're gone. Thank you everybody on, on the, the pilled on, on, on pilled.net. I'm releasing the scratching right now. So no more, no more pills. Cause I won't be able to shout you out. Thank you to everybody who, who sent in super chats on, on rumble. Thank you for all you do, Frank. Greetings to the Franklies. That's from Texas Sioux, 383. And on quitefranklysuperchat.com, Gage Frederick says, Thank you, Frank. My dad, Lao. Here's um, one, of, one of Albert's children. My dad loved you and loved your show. He was so grateful for everything you do for the culture and for the world. I became a viewer because of him. And I'll always have his calls here to look back to. Thank you for your words. Gage, there's going to be more I'll be able to say. But, I mean, you know, we're not even related to him. And it's uh, it's a little tough to process. So I can't even imagine how you guys are, are feeling. But he uh, he was he was definitely a, a character, a revered character over here. And he's going to be very sorely missed. I'll tell you, it, it's... Um, it's just one of those things you got to deal with, especially if you're in a position like mine. Uh, there's these things happen from time to time, but not some of them are hit a little bit differently than others. There's plenty of people who get old, they get sick, and then and then there's this where it's just so sudden and it, it shakes every, it just shakes you down. It really does. So my parting, my parting shot for you guys, because I won't be on the air tomorrow night. Who knows what I'll be able to drop in on you. With uh, from now until Sunday night, if I if I cobble something together as a broadcast or a uh, a bonus stream, but if we don't see each other until Monday, start exercising. Uh, clean up your diet. Make one tiny little change. Drink a liter more of water and put a pinch of sea salt in it every day. Phone a friend. Call somebody you haven't heard from in a while, you want to check up on, family you haven't spoken to in a while, call somebody, do something. Sit down with somebody that you see every day and get to know them again. Ask them questions that you don't normally do. Break your routine somehow. Do something different. Fall in love with life again. And don't take anything for granted. Don't take your health for granted. Don't take anything for granted. Don't take the people that you, know, you see every day for granted. Don't do it. Just do that for yourself over the weekend and then make that weekend last into the next week and then turn that week into two weeks and then a month and then drag it into the new year 
Um, and call, I mean, if you need help, ladies and gentlemen, call somebody. Call somebody. You just never know who needs help. Call somebody. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, gals. This is going to be a show to remember for a number of reasons, and I really, um, I'm sorry that it's the end of the it's the end of the week, and this is the only time I had to to say this with any kind of um, any kind of seriousness. And I'm sorry it comes at the end of such an uplifting show, but it is a it is a um, a broadcast about the human condition, and we get a mix of everything here. Um. So yeah. There you have it. One last one from God's Ghouls says the thumbnail gave me chills and now hearing this amazing woman's story is heartwarming and quite frankly, badass. Props to her, the firefighters involved and to you for sharing her mission with us. I hope you all enjoy this and please go and check out Monica's work and see if there's anything that you can do to help her out or to expand the operation into your, into your town or your state and, uh, and pray for the soul of Albert Frederick. And I got that uh, the GoFundMe out, and I'll be sharing it a little bit. Uh, show his family a little bit of love if you can. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. I will talk to you soon, and good evening, good week. No! Oh, Albert. Oh, stop it. Albert liked that one. Always had a laugh at my expense. All right, well, let's just do this. <laughs> Great. Here we go. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, it's filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters. And we're starting with God's Ghouls. Gage Frederick, Jay Britz, The Sentinel. Jay Britz again. Oh, The Sentinel, I didn't see this. One of the best shows ever. I have so much respect for Miss Kelsey and her project. Molly Ardy and I were really moved. Thank you. I'm so sorry, Sentinel. I didn't see that. Stostube, Katie Sky, Jay Brits again, and to all of our wonderful friends across Rumble and on Pill.net. We'll see you on Monday.